0: Been listening to a little bit of uh, well, not a little bit, on on Pandora. I'm on the. Have you heard of Trash Boat?
1: I've not heard of Trash Boat. I mean, I've heard of Trash. I've heard of boats. I've not heard of the compound.
0: The name alone makes you wonder.
1: And they're pretty good. I like them. And, there, there was a band I listened to once that wasn't very good called Frito Boat, and I really really hope that nobody in our listenership is I'm making a, that up. Uh, no, Frito Boat. Frito Boat. Frito Boat. Betty Rocket Records, circa like 2002. Okay. Yeah, it was like this little Christian punk outfit out of like Washington.
0: And you listened to them? Yeah, yeah, I did. Did you like them? Nah. No. Well, then I don't <laughs> want to hear anything else about me listening to Good Charlotte.
1: Well, the difference between me and you is that I stopped listening to to that. I don't listen to them now. That's not established. I don't. I don't think. All right. I, I, I sound echoey. Do I sound echoey to you? Oh, you're getting
0: really particular about the audio. Uh,
1: No, I'm not getting particular. I'm just asking a question. I liked
0: it better when you told me it's the best it's ever been.
1: Well, because it was true. Like, I wouldn't lie to you.
0: I need you to lie to me on this, about it then. Maybe it's
1: some reverb. Is is there some reverb on the track? Well, I don't
0: know, Justin. The last time somebody used this setup, it was not under my supervision. It wasn't,
1: no. Like, I I went back to, you know, kind of do things for the final song and the closing and all that, and no one was already there. Hmm. So I gave him a thumbs up.
0: Well, it was... It was my offspring that did this? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, I
1: don't know that he did it. I'm just saying oh, he was the one who I wasn't supervising.
0: I was, <laughs> Good, because I was blaming you. Did you fix anything in post?
1: You can't fix anything in post in Facebook Live. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, that means no more funeral details for you. Uh, reverb. Is there any reverb on? I mean, there, there is an effects knob. Uh, no, it's down all the way. Yeah, I, I figured that it was. Yeah, I, d- I just didn't know what would account for I mean you sound good. As good as ever. Check 1 2. We had uh,
0: some red over here too. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, that 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 could be part of it.
0: <clears throat> you know what really grinds my gears? What really grinds your gears? Byron? When I go away and come back and people change things that did need to be changed.
1: <sighs> they call it the Rip Van Winkle effect. Who calls it that? Well, so far I do. <laughs> Okay. I, I have no way of refuting that. That's right. All right. Those are the kind of statements you want to make. That's the, been the irrefutable kind.
0: I, I, I got to say, this has been more bantery than we have been in the past. Well done, us. Thank you. You may begin.
1: Okay. And welcome to Deuterocanons, episode thirty-five. Episode thirty-five already. Don't skip the first. I'm not skipping. All right. Anything. Okay. Okay. Let, let me try again. All right. Go ahead. Welcome to Deuterocanons, episode thirty-five. I'm Justin, and with me always is Byron. Party on, Byron. Party on, Justin. Is that better? That's great. Okay. You'll I fix feel it better in post. about it. Well, while you're uh, while you're at it and thinking about the fact that we already have thirty-five <laughs> episodes, you could like, share, subscribe, comment, tell a friend. That's really the best thing, even if you don't... I mean, you know, it's the thought that counts. You wanna
0: know the best time to tell a friend? Right now. Like, if you're on somebody else's podcast, you might tell that person on the podcast. And I then did. All the other people that are listening to the podcast. You know, if I'm just pulling a hypothetical.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I could do that next time. I, I didn't want to be too presumptuous. Also, you went on a podcast without me? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'll try to not make that. What mistake part of again. "with
0: you as always" is Byron? Do you not understand? That's like death to a till death to us
1: part. That's that's a good point.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yep, you gotta next time you let them know that's a package deal.
1: It is a package deal,
0: unless we're talking about something that I you know. I mean, I'm not an educator, so.
1: Well, I mean, it was it was like about public education. Is he an educator? No, no, he, no, he's not. Um But that said. The next time, I think we're supposed to talk about classical education, like the trivium and the quadrivium. Oh, nice. So, you know, you you could potentially be a decent source about that since you've been a CC dad far longer than I have. Hold on. Could? Potentially? What's the matter with you? I'm just qualifying my statements. I I'm either not...
0: are or I, I, or I are not.
1: You either are.
0: <laughs> I is or I is ain't. Uh, Do you want to um, tease that podcast on this podcast?
1: That would seem appropriate. It it would seem appropriate. I think that our our listenership uh, maybe, let's just say that this- All 13 of them. All 13 of them. uh, There is uh, some occasional profanity on this particular channel. Oh, man,
0: I hope these adults can take that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if anybody wants to know the name of the podcast, just put a comment in there and we'll get back to you. All right. See, I feel like that's appropriate. Okay. You know, generate some comments.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yep. Yeah, but give, no, it was was a fun thing. You know, give to get is what you just did there.
1: Quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. This for that. Oh, do you speak Latin? I dabble. <laughs> do I speak it? No. Do I encounter it and then look it up? Yes. All right. So tonight is something that Byron thought would never happen. Of course, Byron thought that a part two would never happen because I had teased part twos or parts two. Is it part twos or parts two? Yep. It's like, you know, it's not son-in-laws. Sons-in-law. It's sons-in-law. Sons you Correct. You make the, the first noun yeah. in plural. Or fathers-in-law, not father-in-laws. Or
0: sergeants-first-class.
1: Sergeants-first-class, not sergeant-first-classes. Right. Or sergeant-firsts-classes. Right. Sergeant's Major. Sergeant's Major, exactly. Mm-hmm. Attorney's General. There you go. Well, this is not simply a part two, which Byron thought would never happen. Byron also, therefore, never thought that a part three would happen, and it did. And this is, in fact, Money Part Four. So, a quick recap we had Money Hooray. Part One. Yeah.
0: We need some audio in there. And
1: there was much rejoicing.
0: Hooray! Yay. That's exactly what I was going for. Yeah, <laughs> Money Python. Yep. Money Python. Money Python. Money Python. Oh man, lost opportunity there. What a waste. Yep.
1: Money. So, money part one was really just kind of an overview of money and uh, some spiritual aspects of that. Looked at some scriptures related to money. Money part two was where was where I came in with some I don't know alternative theories i guess you might say Mm -hmm. not stuff that you're going to necessarily hear or run into everywhere take it for what it's worth i think that i'm onto something but you know maybe i'm a little bit biased since i thought of it could be yeah and you know i say i thought of it it's really pulling from from lots of different historical and scriptural sources to try to come up with some some ideas. So, Money Part 2 was called Mystery Babylon.
0: You did already admit to like enjoying listening to yourself. So,
1: What if I enjoy listening to you, and what if Aww, I, I listen to thanks. the episodes, because I don't get enough Byron just on Wednesday nights <laughs> and the brief Sunday morning interaction that we okay, have. Okay, okay. Jeez, I'll come over. Yeah, that would be beneficial. <laughs> so, then we had Money Part 3, The Sorcerers, and that got into... Some speculation, but I think some uh, some evidence based speculation about who or what uh, mystery Babylon might actually be in mm. the present day, and and what we came up with was since clearly Babylon is over the kings of the earth and the merchants and enables them to do the things that they want to do. Well, how do they do the things that they what, like? What do they need to do the things they need to do? Money. And so, to that end, I wanted to point out another source that I've been reading recently. There's this book from the 1960s by a guy named Joseph Wexberg, who was a, a Czechoslovakian Jew who fled Nazi Germany in 1939, mm-hmm. and ended up in the United States and did some writing. Like he he wrote several books. He wrote for the New Yorker and and some some other outlets. And he wrote a book called The Merchant bankers Mm -hmm. he had some family history in merchant banking which apparently is i'm not far enough into the book to know exactly what all the distinctions are between just sort of regular type banking and merchant banking yeah but this book is fascinating and what's interesting is that what the book consistently is coming back to is the connection between or maybe he's just using it as imagery i guess but what the merchant bankers do and magic Hmm. which is something that we looked at in in C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Was the connection between science and magic and and how the those two things grew up side by side. And the reason that magic kind of got left to the side and that science continued to thrive was that science worked Mm -hmm. and the magic didn't. But the inclination was the same. And the thing at the at the center of both magic and you might say applied science rather than ni- science for the sake of knowledge is um, so typically like up until like the 16th 16 and 1700s the goal of education of, of the acquisition of knowledge was to uh, better conform this the self to reality mm-hmm. but then when you get into magic and the applied sciences what you have is trying to conform reality to Man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, money part four is titled "Giants in the Earth." Giants in the Earth. Giants in the Earth. Okay. So we're going to look at some scriptures, and uh, I'm also going to make some reference to uh, to some some historical sources. Uh, but if anybody out there is looking for an interesting historical book to read, uh, "The Merchant Bankers" by Joseph Wexberg is a, is a very interesting one. So, first question, Byron. Oh, man. When I say giants in the earth, and we're talking, you know, about the scriptures, when I, when I talk about giants, what comes to mind for you? Uh,
0: we're talking about the passage in Genesis?
1: That's one of them, but it's not the only one. I mean, that's where the quote comes from, right? Uh, is Genesis 6, and that, that will be the first scripture that we take a look at this evening, but just w- what, where does your mind go? well primarily primarily
0: there because that's that's where i know of it from and so um i think we've discussed before like was this people who were actually physically larger or were they you know giants metaphorically as in they were like great well-known people of the time
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um specifically we talked about uh oh no gilgamesh gilgamesh yeah but he's also known as something else, isn't he?
1: Uh, yikes. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Anywho. Probably so. <laughs> oh well, th- th- there is some uh, correlation between Gilgamesh and Nimrod. Nimrod, thank you. That's yeah. Just I right. don't. I don't know that Gilgamesh is Nimrod, but there's. It's thought that there is some some overlap in those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So giants. In the earth, how in the world could this be connected to money? That's where we will we are going to try to go. So let's go there. Uh, Genesis six. This is the uh, the prelude to the flood. And I, I've been fascinated by Genesis for years, um, ever since. Well, I guess going back to the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I, I was playing baseball. On a on a traveling team, so we would you know go from town to town and play. It was kind of like the minor leagues, and there was you know I I had no phone, I had no computer, I had no video games, you know, no DVDs. So what I had was books on, on those long, you know, frequent four, five, six-hour bus rides. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean we we would drive from Indianapolis to like Youngstown, Ohio, and then back like in a single day and have like a double header that we played in the interim. So we're talking long days, long bus trips. So I read a whole lot of CS Lewis and I read a whole lot of the book of Genesis. Like I did a pretty in-depth study of the book of Genesis that summer. And the reason that I frequently talk about taking it back to Genesis or making reference to Genesis goes back to that study that I did Mm -hmm. all the way back then. So in Genesis six, Byron, could you please read verses 1 one through 8? Yes. 1 through 7, sorry.
0: All right, so when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. He said one through four? Seven. Seven. Yeah. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. That's...
1: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's the end. And, and then it gets into Noah. So, I don't know, do you have any comments on the this this picture that's portrayed of the pre-flood world? Yeah, I was trying to
0: find something, okay, um, that we had talked about the kids had downstairs because it references the Nephilim in Numbers. Yeah. When the
1: Like Numbers 13?
0: Yep, when the spies go into Canaan. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's that's the next scripture on the, okay, on, well, on then the I'll, agenda. Okay, well then I'll
0: hit pause there on that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely keep your finger there. But the other thing, uh, you know, I guess that I, I think of is this idea of every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was only evil all the time. You know, it, I guess, I, I think there's a philosophical argument on this, but I know I've definitely had this myself too, where... You you talk to people, and I think there's this. It's just this idea: are 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 humans inherently evil or inherently good? Mm-hmm. I tend to think the natural inclination of humans is to be to be selfish, you know, mm-hmm. and that when it comes to like rearing our children, a lot of what we're doing is uh, developing the selfishness out of them. Um, Definitely. And so, when I when I read this. Um, and I think a lot of this goes into uh what is that called the Stanford experiment you heard about that where they made half the class guards and half the class Oh yeah uh inmates or even Jordan Peterson talks about that <clears throat> of like trying to understand how somebody could be a guard in a Nazi prison camp and realizing that yes. there's that capable cap- there's the the capability for evil inside all of us um and so I I, f- I guess what I'm saying is I could see how everything, every inclination of man could be evil. Yeah. I think that's absolutely possible. And I think uh, we give, we, there are a lot of folks nowadays that give mankind the benefit of the doubt too much. Maybe.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So does it seem like, so, so talking about the inclination of man's, man, uh, of, of men's hearts being bent on evil mm-hmm. always. Yep. And so why, why is that mentioned here? Why is that mentioned here? Yeah. Why um, Why does it matter? Okay, um,
0: I mean, there's this element of of God kind of get kind of getting fed up, and uh, I, you know, hmm. I mean, the dilemma is is the sin problem, mm-hmm. right? So existing, you know, living 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 in a sin, living in sin means that you have to exist apart from God. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I guess there's that element. Why is it being brought up here? Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess, is it is it just a matter of,
1: yeah, I don't know. Okay, l- let me ask a, a side question. Yeah. You know how, how people a lot of times will quote Ecclesiastes, and I'm, I'm sure that we've done this too, where we say, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, and the good old days really weren't the good old days, and things have sort of always been the same, always. Yeah,
0: I mean, I feel like we've said definitely said things like that. I mean, if you... Need a new idea? Read an old book. Yeah. Right? So there,
1: there's, there, there is something to that, and and you know it's not necessarily a good idea to overly glorify the past. Mm-hmm. Let's say, yeah, or to think that people were so much better back then than they are now. Um, but but I've recently heard comments from people really thinking that everything has basically been the same always. But when I read this, it seems like. It must have been worse, yeah. Because, like you, you made a, uh, you, you rightly observed that this is kind of justifying God's actions. Yeah. Not kind of. This is the justification yeah. for the judgment that God brought on them. Yeah. So I tend to think that it must have been worse. Yeah. Because at, at the very end of this, we, we get to verse eight, which I didn't have you read, but it says, "But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord." Mm-hmm. And it says later that he was perfect in his generations. Yeah, And I don't exactly know everything that that means, but there there was apparently some sort of uh, righteousness or purity, not simply in Noah, but even in his direct line Mm -hmm. somehow, which could mean a few different things.
0: Relative to
1: everybody else, perhaps? Sure, relative to, which I think you may have made a point about that at some point, maybe in a sermon. Did I? Uh, maybe I am i don't want to put words into your mouth or anything, but it, it's, it seems like it must have been worse than, then than yeah. it is now mm-hmm. if, out of the entire human race, it was Noah. Mm-hmm. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and that was it. I mean, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, that was really bad, and there were no righteous people there except for, for Lot, mm-hmm. like not even his family, it turns out. Yeah and God, God rescued him, but man just the, the the idea of there there only being one left, not just in a city like it was with lot, mm-hmm. but one anywhere, yeah, like that's a really serious situation, right second question okay so so we understand now why it would point out that you know people were really, really bad, yeah, so why what what's the point with mentioning like? sons of god daughters of men nephilim like wh- why is that here if um if we already have this this other detail about the inclination of man's heart being bent on evil always um
0: i don't know i guess there's something displeasing about the sons of god intermarrying with these these other folks yeah yeah
1: yeah so th- there's been a lot of all right <laughs> that was it, huh? Cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it turns out that there there are further problems and I think that because the thing about the sons of God and the daughters of men producing the Nephilim, that comes first and then the uh the, then we have the the thing mentioned about the the thoughts of men's hearts. Mm-hmm. Like that comes after. Yeah. And so it's possible that that's a result of the influence of this unholy union that's, that's mentioned earlier. Right. Okay. So the sons of God, like what does that mean?
0: Folks that found favor in God's eyes or I don't know, or, or are these maybe like the precursor to the Israelites? It could be, it could be. So I mean, they uh, weren't Israelites until there was an Israel. Right. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. So there, there is some debate about this, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm going to try to not like I do have an opinion, but I'm going to try to not come down on one side or the other, but try to present the evidence okay for both sides. Yeah. So, um, sons of God has has often been interpreted as meaning the sons of Seth. Ah. Okay. And the daughters of men has often been interpreted as the daughters of Cain. Okay. All right. So that that's one possibility. So okay. sons of God, so you have like that holy line that comes through Seth, then you have Cain, like this unholy line. Okay. So that, that's possibility number one.
0: So Cain kills Abel, Seth is born, is now new, younger brother. Yes.
1: Right. Yes. Okay, so another possibility, one that is, well, it this is just a, this is an issue of contention is like which which thing is true. So th- there is another possibility and to introduce that possibility let's uh let's turn to Job chapter 1. All right, and uh I'll read it's just verse 6, chapter 1 verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Mm. I've got a little, little letter A beside the word angels, and the I footnote says, the sons of God. Huh. Everywhere in the Old Testament where you find the phrase, the sons of God, which in Hebrew is B'nai Elohim, mm-hmm. it always refers to angels. Yep, okay.
0: Yeah, I've got that too. Hebrew, the sons of God.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Right. So, a a lot of people have a problem with using that definition in Genesis chapter 6. A lot of people have problems with it. But, textually speaking, it's, it's another one of those interpretations that has been, you know, accepted by some Christians, just like the other interpretation has been accepted by some Christians over time. Um. Let's see. Flip also to Jude. And, so uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Let me
0: back up here. Yeah. So reading back through this, we're t- so we're talking about angels uh,
1: having relations
0: with human women.
1: That would be the, that would be the implication if it's true that bene Elohim is rightly to be understood as referring to angelic beings. Right. Yeah. Okay, turn to Jude, which of course only has one chapter, and read, if you would, verses 5 through 7.
0: You know, all the extras in this Bible take up so much that I skip past I <laughs> so. Okay, Jude what? Jude,
1: mm-hmm. verse 5 through 7.
0: All right. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their position of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day.
1: And then verse 7.
0: In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire.
1: Okay, so there's a similarity... That it draws between angels who did not keep their uh, positions positions of authority. of authority. It draws a similarity between that and Sodom and Gomorrah, and the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was sexual immorality. Yeah. And it's okay. Some and, my I, hold. On, I have another. Yeah, question.
0: go ahead. Some of these <clears throat> angels refused to maintain their assignments and thus became the devil and his angels okay let me read through all this angels see note on second Peter 2 4 oh, man. yeah
1: that, that's where I was going now
0: positions of authority see note on second Peter 2 4 God had assigned differing areas of responsibility and authority to each of the angels see Daniel 10 20 through 21 mm-hmm. I can guess what that probably pertains yeah. to right where the various princes may be angels assigned to various nations okay some of these angels refused to maintain their assignments and thus became the devil and his angels their proper dwelling. Angels apparently were assigned specific locations as well as responsibilities. Some assume that they left the heavenly realm and came to earth. See note on Second Peter two four.
1: Kept bound. Okay.
0: Well, I guess it sounds like we need to read Second Peter two four, then, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly where I was going. So so nice. could you read that? Uh Uno momento, por favor.
0: Second Peter two four says for it. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just if he, did not, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on the, its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day
1: of judgment. So again we have this uh, this comparison drawn between angels that rebelled and the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. Now maybe the only similarity is that there's destruction in store for those for those angels, just like hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. But that similarity being noted, that doesn't mean that there aren't further similarities in the nature of the sin. Yeah. Especially considering uh what what it says in Jude.
0: Can I can I read this note? Yeah, yeah, please. Angels when they sinned. Some believe this sin was the one referred to in Genesis six, two. I love this when you do that, like, choose-your-own-adventure and it comes full circle.
1: (laughs) Yep. There we are.
0: In Genesis 6-2, where the sons of God are said to have intermarried with human daughters, meaning, according to this view, that angels married human women. The offspring of those marriages are said to have been the Nephilim. But since it appears impossible for angels who are spirits to have sexual relations with women, the sin referred to in this verse probably occurred before the fall of Adam and Eve, the angels who fell became the devil and the and the evil angels, probably the demons, the evil spirits referred to in the New Testament.
2: Uh,
0: okay. sent CNIV text note. Tartarus was the term used by the Greeks to designate the place. Some evil angels are imprisoned and others are free to serve Satan as demons. It is not explained in scripture. The final judgment probably associated with the great white throne. Okay, that's too far. Wow. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and and they're they're right. I mean, I think that they presented, you know, those those two those two sides very fairly. Yeah, like that's that that that's that's a a good take. You are saying on the, the, situation. the
0: scholars at Zondervan.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, tip, of the, tip of the cap to those fellers. <laughs> I, I I do tend to lean toward toward one side mm-hmm. in, in that, but what where we're gonna go with this? It actually doesn't matter which way or which one is true, or if some third option that we're not aware of happens to be true. Okay. Okay? Um, but I will say, so why do they say that angels can't, or that, that no kind of, uh, you know, we shouldn't think of angels as being, like, just one monolithic um, thing yeah. or species? Right. Because, like, it's it's obvious in the scriptures that there are different kinds right. of angels, and... I don't think it's a stretch to say that there could be some who, who have the necessary physicality to do do something, you know, of a sexual nature. But the only scripture that I can think of to say that that's always and everywhere impossible would be when Jesus says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees um, that in the resurrection we will be like the angels, mm-hmm. n- neither marrying or or being given in marriage. Right. But I, I, this is this is probably a whole different podcast, and and I'll I'll get back on the the, the track of giants in the earth. But I think that we should be careful with um, gleaning like firm doctrinal statements from things that Jesus said to his enemies who were trying to trap him in his words.
0: Well, the other sorry, man, I got really loud. The other thing is, the angels, not marrying or inter or being given in marriage. Might also not be the result of some sort of physical thing. It could also be like a vow of celibacy. Let's say, yeah. You know? Could 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 that? You know, is that a possibility? Because I mean, we we have that uh, amongst humans.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So um, mention real quick the thing about numbers thirteen. Okay.
0: Uh, let's see if I can do this.
1: Okay. And while, or- while you're while you're getting there, um, so. Whether, um, whether it's, whether the sons of God are the sons of Seth or whether the sons of God are some particular group or class of angelic beings, the thing that happened in in the start of Genesis six was bad
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and whatever the nature of the thing was, it produced this other, this thing called Nephilim, which sometimes is translated as giants and to, so to go along with that numbers 13, what, what does it say there about that topic? Okay, so uh,
0: The title of the section is exploring Caden. So Moses sent this is before they enter the. we're supposed to enter the promised land Excuse me uh, And so Moses sent um, Was it 12 spies 12 right 12 12 spies into Canaan 12 young men went
1: spying Canaan Tim were bad and two were good
0: but when you read, and it's interesting to me again, being a military type, when you read through 17 through uh, 25, because it's very much a reconnaissance mission, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like, it, like uh, this is how I explained the, explaining to the kids, like they weren't just going to like, hey, go see if the land's good, you know. <laughs> um, I, we don't have time for this, but I, I kind of went through it and broke it down of what, how the things that they're looking for apply tactically. Anywho. But one of the things they observed while they were in there was was these Nephilim and so when they came back ten, 10 were like we can't go in there the people are huge there's Nephilim there and of course we have the two that were were saying no we, we can do this and God says we have to and of course those end up being the two that are blessed Joshua and uh, Caleb, Caleb right and so uh, if you go to 31 says but the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people they're stronger than we are and they spread among the israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored they said the land we explored devours all those living in it all the people we saw there were of great size we saw the nephilim there the descendants of anak came from the nephilim we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them and so of course because of this um you know, these people are all like, and if we go in there, our children are become slaves, and this, that, and the other. And God's like, you know what? Fine, you guys are gonna wander the desert until your generation is dead, and your children will go in there, mm-hmm. except for Joseph and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. Excuse me. Yeah. And so that's what happened.
1: Yeah, and so that that passage right there supports what it says in Genesis six because if you read closely, like I think one of the keys to understanding the situation is where it says. And the Nephilim, or the giants, were in the earth in those days and also afterward. Mm -hmm. So you you got to think about that because if it's true that the sons of God are the sons of Seth, I mean, sorry, yes, the sons of God are the sons of Seth, and the daughters of Eve are the daughters of Cain, that situation doesn't exist anymore after the flood. Mm -hmm. And so how could you say... That these giants were in the earth in those days and also afterwards, if the the, if the unions that produced them were no longer possible, right? So anyway, it's clear that yeah, there were giants in the earth in those days and also afterward. Afterward, when Numbers thirteen, you wonder why? I mean, so you wonder why they came back, and you wonder why they were in Canaan. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've got an idea. This may be spitballing, but I I think that it's solid. Uh I think that Satan didn't want God's people in the promised land. Yeah. And so he was amassing his forces there. Right. And clearly, you know, it kind of set things back 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, Satan, you might say, won the battle. Yeah. But, you know, like the war would come later. And and really, that's kind of the lens through which I see... A lot of the things that happen in the Old Testament is God orchestrating situations such that the Messiah comes into the world at exactly the right time.
0: Yeah. Well, you. Sorry. You know what's interesting too, and I think this aligns with what you're saying, because because when you when you look at Numbers thirteen and they go in there and like we can't do this and God's like all right you're getting punished again, and so. When when it comes, forty years has passed, and it's time to go in. They're like, okay, we're going in, and then the first thing they do is conquer Jericho, which seemed probably seemed impossible to them. Yeah. But when the walls came tumbling down and they went in there and, and cleared the city out, it's it, you know they're probably on cloud nine. Like, mm-hmm. okay, God is on our side. But then they had the defeated AI because uh, it was Aiken, right? Achan Achan yeah. had had pillaged stuff that he wasn't supposed to pillage, and so it, when you read the account of of so they sent spies out again to do the, the reconnaissance for AI, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, so there's some guys over there, but we don't need to take the whole army. we only need to take like I think it was like 3,000, and then they went and they were routed because mm-hmm. of Aiken, you know, yeah, I guess all that to say, uh it's kind of like it's almost as if God was saying, "You need to trust me, don't don't trust your way of doing things, don't conform to the patterns of the world." You know, yeah, you got to do this my way. The key here is obedience. Yeah. You know,
1: so I I see the the, the giant motif in the Old Testament being. uh, Satan, one of Satan's many strategies to try to keep the Messiah from coming into the world. And I think that that's that's why the situation was like it was leading up to the flood. I think that Satan thought that he had, you know, by means of these unholy unions and their influence again, like wh- whichever thing was true. You know, like whether it's angels or it's men, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like Satan was trying to orchestrate things such that God would wipe out everyone and that would eliminate the seed of the woman. Mm-hmm. And so there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a Messiah. Yeah. Okay. Flash forward to <clears throat> to Exodus. Like, why why would Pharaoh specifically want to kill the uh the Israelite baby boys? Mm hmm. So they can't reproduce cut off the seed of the woman yeah you know he was actually trying to I mean it was it was it was genocide yeah because by eliminating the males then then the, then the women could just be taken by the Egyptians and that bloodline be eliminated from the earth right okay so flash forward to again the, the 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 conquest of Canaan we have the Nephilim there again we have we have giants and I think that it would be foolish to not take the the spies at their word mm-hmm. you know like They really saw them, yeah. And and they were it was a it was a bad deal, and they ran they ran into giants. You know, when you continue to read the uh, the account of the conquest, one of the ones they ran into was Og, king of Bashan, Mm -hmm. or Bashan, however you say it. And it said that his bed was like I don't know ten or twelve or sixteen or something feet long. I mean, this dude was he was huge. Right. We also know that there were various tribes that were either entirely giant. Or were at least very connected with with the giants, and there, there I didn't write down that reference, but there's like the uh, the Zanu meme and the Zumim meme, and like all of these various Canaanite tribes. And the and, and what you find when you study it out is that the tribes that God said to totally wipe out were the ones that w- where there were giants. Huh. God wanted them wiped out. Yeah. Flash forward further to the story of David. As I say. Goliath. Right. Right. So, like, if, if, you ju- if you don't just think about that as, like, you know, little man versus big man or just Israelite versus um, Philistine, what it really is is God's chosen one mm-hmm. against Satan's chosen one. Yeah. And, of course, you know, David was victorious. So, moving... for So, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's a, an interesting way of, like, looking at the way that the... Uh, that the uh, that the Old Testament unfolds. Mm-hmm. It's like God trying to bring it, bring Messiah into the world. Satan trying to kill him, right? Or okay. or make it to where it never happens in the first place. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of Jesus, let's turn to Matthew twenty four. Another time
0: are we are we looking at another time where people try to kill all the men, all the baby boys?
1: Uh, no, that would be earl, a lot earlier That'd in be Matthew. A lot earlier in Matthew, yeah, like
0: Matthew two or
1: something. Oh. I'm flipping pages with my left hand. It's very precarious. Here we go. Twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, Matthew twenty-four, and it's kind of a long chapter. We're not going to read all of it. Of course, Jesus here is talking about the uh, well. He's answering the the questions that that his disciples posed to him after they were they were leaving the temple, and uh, Jesus says, or th- the disciples asked him in verse three, "Tell us." When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they're asking eschatological questions, Mm -hmm. you know, apocalyptic questions, questions about last things. And so if you, let's see, go down and read verses 36 uh, through 39, if you would. (coughs) Okay. So I think that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. that Jesus himself would draw a comparison between the days of Noah and his return. Now, I think so, so I, I've heard some people take this in directions that, that I don't quite agree with um, because it's, it seems like the, the main point would be that, you know, it's going to take people by surprise, you know, like Thief in the Night mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. People are going to be just living life and then here it is. Yeah. <clears throat> But I would say that that there's got to be more to the reason that Jesus mentions Noah here, and if we remember that that motif that develops throughout the Old Testament and continues into the new where Satan was constantly trying to stop the Messiah from happening mm-hmm. like he didn't want Jesus to come and he tried so I mean you know think about like polluting Israel with idols idol worship to such an extent that I think he really hoped that God would just totally destroy them. Right. And then we get to, um, of course, the New Testament, and you mentioned the slaughter of the the innocents Mm -hmm. in, in Bethlehem. It's trying to kill the Messiah. Right. And so it seems like there are giants in the earth orchestrated... By Satan in such a in such a way that when critical things are going to happen, that God is trying to do to to move forward the plot of Messiah coming into the earth and doing everything that he was supposed to do, like that's when you know Satan amasses his forces and they manifest themselves as giants. Mm -hmm. Now, in in the Old Testament, at the beginning, you have actual literal physical giants. I believe. Mm -hmm. I think Genesis six is literal physical giants. I think that numbers 13 is actual literal physical giants. I think Og and Goliath and Goliath's brothers actual physical giants. But then if you think about, you know, the the pollution of like the 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 idolatrous pollution of Israel, I think that's kind of giants too. Mm-hmm. Because they would worship on high places. Yeah. You know, high hills and there would be an idol, probably a big one, mm-hmm. which is also a giant of sorts and it functions the same as the physical living giants from earlier times because the point of the giants was to draw people away from, from God and to like morally corrupt. Yeah. And that's what those big idols on those tall high places would do. hmm <coughs> Or, you know, you think about like the, the statue that Nebuchadnezzar put up mm-hmm. like that, that huge image, like that's a giant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's different than Goliath, but, like, it functions in a similar way. Like, yeah. symbolically, it's equivalent. So,
0: if I can inter- yeah. interrupt you here. Tell me, Please. tell because here's what you got me thinking about, though. It, you know, I think about Romans 1 where it talks about God's wrath against sinful humanity and the list mm-hmm. of, of offenses that mankind is guilty of, or the Romans <laughs> specifically. But we see these kind of, like, laundry lists throughout the epistles where Paul is is kind of talking about the sins that mankind is, the, these various churches in the surrounding areas are, are guilty of. And, and it sounds a lot like the evils of today, you know, yes. and as you mentioned before, like maybe there was something about the time of the flood that was worse than this. All that to say, and and it seems like even after the Messiah has come and gone, there are still people out there trying to kill the Messiah.
1: Right, and 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 clearly trying to. I mean, like we are his body, mm-hmm. and so of course there are attacks against the church. But then there's also things that I think are trying to. Um, ever since Christ's ascension, you know there was the promise of his return, yeah. and so Satan knows his time is short. And, and I think that as we get closer to that day, he, he's increasingly aware that his time is short, even though he, I'm sure he doesn't know the day or the hour, mm-hmm. but I mean, like as things keep going, yeah. you know, time is increasingly shorter. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what can he do to draw more and more people away? Yeah. You know, and I mean, think about like, you know, if a giant walks in, you know, everybody looks at the giant, mm-hmm. everybody's impressed with the giant, you know, you build this huge statue like, out on the plain of Shinar, mm-hmm. whether it's the Tower of Babel or the image of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, it's this huge thing. Well, everybody looks at it like, oh, that's so impressive. Right. Or the idol up on the high place. Wow, that, that's that's so big. That's so impressive. It draws people's attention away. Mm-hmm. And attention really is the best way to understand the word worship. Right. It's it's, it's attention. Rome was a giant. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Herod was a giant. Uh-huh. And, and wanted to be even, even more of a giant because... By killing this king that's just been born, he's he's establishing himself as bigger and mightier and better.
0: When, what was the wording in, in Genesis 6, right? Heroes of old, so men of renown.
1: Heroes of old, men of renown, exactly. Right. <clears throat> so since we know that, that Jesus is coming back and Jesus talked about his return, using the the like the literal and symbolic context of Genesis six mm-hmm. and the days of Noah. Right. I think that we have, we need to, we need to take that seriously. So here's the way that I've heard some people take this. They say, well, Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah. So that means that they're going to be human angelic hybrids before Jesus comes back and they will be giants and they'll do bad stuff. And I'm like, mm. okay, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. But I do think that just as there were giants in the earth in Genesis 6, there were giants in the earth in Numbers 13, Mm -hmm. there were giants in the earth uh, in 1 Samuel with David, there were giants in the earth in Babylon, there were giants in the earth in the early chapters of Matthew with, well, I mean, all all the way through the gospel with Rome and and Herod Mm -hmm. and all of that. And I would say that there are giants in the earth today. Mm -hmm. I don't mean... 10-foot dudes who are some sort of weird hybrid of something right i i maybe it exists but that's not the point i don't think that that's that that's not what we should be looking for but there there are giants right <clears throat> so here here's where i'm going to speculate some i i feel i don't feel like i've been speculating a whole lot so far i think it's just been like trying to pull together some scriptural threads mm-hmm. and, and doing some some interpretation and so i am going to speculate here Okay. So take it for what it's worth. Consider it. If it's nonsense, feel free to reject it. Remember when we, when we talked about alchemy and what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, turning base metals into, into precious metals right? and how that didn't work, Yeah. but there were some other monetary strategies that were come up with that did mm-hmm. do the same thing? Yeah. I mean, the point of alchemy is getting girls, guns, and gold. Right. Well, it turns out that there are other ways of creating money out of thin air, not even base metals. Yeah, and so I think that that we should be suspicious of that, and recognize its negative influence in the world. Okay. Similarly, if you look into us, like about the same period that alchemy was going on, if you look at Jewish tradition or mythology, there's there's this thing called a golem. Golem, mm-hmm. a golem, not the Pokemon golem. They they stole that. Okay, <laughs> I'm not
0: familiar with either. Okay,
1: well, there was actually like one of the early horror movies. I think from maybe F. W. Murnau, like one of those German horror guys, like from the silent era, 1920s. Mm-hmm. I think he's the same guy who did like the the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. I took a f- film class in college. Thought it was going to be easy. It was not easy. That's a that's another story for another day. But one of them is the golem, and it just took this, you know, Jewish tradition, this Jewish legend or myth, and made a movie out of it. And the idea of the golem is that, and, and by the word golem, uh, they golem means uh, basically embryo. Mm-hmm. So in Psalm one thirty nine, when it says, um, "You, oh man, like." I think it's the one where it's like you knit me together in my mother's womb, like yeah. like when I was nothing. Right. That's like the word there is golem. Hmm. So like like when I was like the thing that was before, you know, I was actually alive. Like you know, the seed, right? So, so to speak. Okay. So, the story of the golem goes like this: <clears throat> When you have a like you know some sort of high ranking astute rabbi who knows a lot of Kabbalah or something he can form essentially an idol out of clay and that there are various ways of doing this but by various techniques and incantations the story goes is that he would be able to bring this clay figure to life mm-hmm and usually it was a like kind of big, like kind of a little bit bigger than a man, kind of giant. Okay. It's like, well, okay, why? Typically it was to do work. It was sort of a slave or it would be a messenger of some sort. Or it would do something like work on the Sabbath, like keep the, uh, the furnaces going on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Which is something that they would pay Gentiles to do. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, at least, you know, during a certain uh, period in history that I was reading about. so it's unlawful to do work on the Sabbath. But if you make this thing, this body Mm -hmm. and you, you speak the correct words, it comes to life and it does your bidding. And then like you can dissolve it when you need to, Hmm. or if it gets out of hand. Okay. Now I'm not saying that because I think that any Jewish rabbi ever actually accomplished that. Right. I mean th- th- there are there are Jewish people who think that that's a real thing and that it really has happened. I mean as recently as the 16 or 1700s. Okay. Um which th- that's really interesting too that this was, you know, a very I-, I don't know, like a growing idea at the same time that we we read about like magic and alchemy and then shifting over into science. Mm-hmm. Like that that's fascinating to me. So when CS Lewis was saying that a major historical distinction should be made between like the 16th and 17th centuries mm-hmm. or 16 and 1700s, whichever one he said, um, like that, that checks out. Okay. Because that's where this, uh, this like Jewish magic stuff is coming from is, is that period. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we think about just the function, like, like we think about the function of alchemy, even though it didn't work, we can think about the function or like the desire behind a golem. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to make this body linguistically, Come come alive like by the power of our very word. This body is alive and does our be It does our bidding So we have some plausible deniability mm-hmm. some separation between the self and the entity performing this function That is you know frowned upon like working on the Sabbath, right? <clears throat> I Think they figured out how to do it. I don't mean I don't mean Jews I, I think that, that there are people who figured out how to do this. hmm I think it's called a corporation Okay because a corporation is a legal person in the eyes of the state right and so i've been doing some reading about like corporate law and really like corporate history Mm -hmm. and it a a lot of it goes back to to britain Mm -hmm. about the same time i mean like you can trace this stuff back to like the 12 and 1300s and some say you can trace the basic idea or the germ of the idea back to uh like the roman period but the the modern corporation has its origins and things like, uh, you know, like the East India Trading Company? Yeah. Yeah, so you form this this body by agreement and by legal incantation. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so you know, like the abracadabra here is simply like a, a, a writ, mm-hmm. a, a legal statement that declares that we are going to deal with this entity as if it is a living, breathing person. Okay. And if it gets out of hand... Or, you know, is too much trouble, you know, we'll, we know how to dissolve it too. Mm -hmm. And the makers of it have that same plausible deniability Mm -hmm. because the only assets that they're, they're risking are the ones directly invested in the corporation itself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I mean, isn't there an element of of corporations? (coughs) Like the reason you treat a corporation as though it's a person is because like, uh, like only people can own property, right? And like in order for, for a business to exist, particularly where there's a collective, like somebody, somebody has to own the physical, like the capital.
1: Sure. Like I recognize that there are some expediencies and I'm not saying that every person who has, you know, uh, joined or created a corporation is some sort of, you know, alchemist defying the will of God. Mm hmm. That, that that that's also not the point but if we think about giants in the earth are there giant corporations well certainly yeah that are drawing people's attention away from the lord yes and are w- wielding enormous power that might be now and could in the future be wielded to try to prevent the return of Christ or to distract people so much that they're not ready for it
0: or at the very least to to per- persecute absolutely i mean not even just not even just uh, followers of christ at this point you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so i i think that i mean w- what have we seen in the last 2 years have corporations become more influential or less influential uh well you know i i wonder about uh, i mean the biggest ones i mean big ones
0: I don't know if they've become more or less influential. I, I wonder sometimes if they aren't just as influential as they were. It's just that they're using their influence differently. Like I don't know if you remember me talking okay. about this when I talked about Marxism where uh, a lot of the people from the... Um, uh, geez Louise, what's the school? The something school in Europe? that Frankfurt School. Sorry, Yeah, the Frankfurt School. When they came to America, a lot of what they observed when they saw things like Hollywood is they called them the... Uh, uh, man, I can't think of any of the... Th- Oh, <laughs> I can't recall any old information. The cult, they called them the cultural industries. Okay, yeah. And so their their claim was that things like Hollywood, the cultural industries were being used to uh, bolster capitalism or uh, to advance the rhetoric, the propaganda of capitalism. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm inclined to, to, to believe that that was probably the case, especially if you watch. Oh, man, I'll tell you. So, for example, <clears throat> I just read uh, or listened to to Helen back, that's Audie Murphy's biography, oh yeah. autobiography, and uh, so I was watching some old videos of him because you know I'd heard a lot about how, how how hard of a time he really had after the war, but of course we you know we think of his celebrity you know because he was a star, star in a lot of movies. All that to say, I was I ended up watching a commercial of him trying to sell war bonds, and it was very you know it it was propaganda you know yeah. all that to say, I feel like if we think if we we can see how the pendulum has swung back the other way. Like, I, I don't, I don't think the Frankfurt school is incorrect that the cultural industries were being used to maybe further the American way. Cause now look at, look at what they're being used for now. Yeah. Like they've just recently changed the slogan of Superman. Like it's no longer truth, justice in the American yeah. way. It's truth, justice. And I don't know, CRT for the sake of the future or something. Socialist oh sentiment. the future. Yeah, right, right. right, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I all all that to say I, I Mean first for for the sake of argument. Yes, they're becoming more influential or at the very least They're they're influence influencing in a, what, what would be in my view a more negative way or a more Destructive way yeah, like, th- what,
1: they've definitely gotten regressive bigger. way like oh like, certainly, you yeah. know Amazon has grown ridiculously mm-hmm. since the lockdown started. Yeah. And I mean, think about giant, like our giants today are, they Our giants even have like multiple heads, just like some of the beasts we read about in revelation. Yeah. Which I'm not saying that any particular corporation is what is actually specifically being talked about in revelation, but like the concept is there and the symbolism is there. I mean, think about how this so Disney is a giant and so one of its heads is Disney. Another head is ESPN. Another head yeah. is another head is ABC. Another head, you know, they keep on like conglomerating, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that we again are having like these unholy unions. Yeah. So it it doesn't matter if we're if Genesis six is human uh, unholy unions or if it's like angelic human unholy unions. It's unholy unions. Yeah. And we're continuing to have unholy unions. Among bodies, yeah, and these big, unholy unions, the, these big metaphysical bodies, these legal fictions mm-hmm. are are encouraging unholy human unions, yeah like think about the, the extent to which they promote sexual immorality, for example. Yeah, like it's really bad mm-hmm. and so I, I think that we should be more I think that Christians should be more skeptical. Than what we are. Mm-hmm. We should be more skeptical of big anything. Mm-hmm. Because big anything is a giant. Yeah, Big business, big government, big pharma, big education, big tech. Mm-hmm. We should be skeptical. And I don't mean that always... Th- Did you say big government? Big government. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I said it. But, yeah, it, I, but if I too. didn't, then... yeah, Because all... And what we're seeing is that these big everythings are... Not just collaborating, but, mm-hmm. but they are colluding yeah. with each other to, uh, you know, centralize, further centralize their their power. Mm-hmm. And it's not good. No. And like I said, Christian people, I think, should be more skeptical. After all, it says in Revelation, you know, when it's talking about Babylon, it says, Come out of her, my people, mm-hmm. and partake no longer in her adulteries. Yeah. So I mean so so should we like stop you know having any sort of financial or other otherwise interaction with these big corporations well I I don't know like I don't know that I have the authority to call for like some sort of mass boycott by all Christian people of all corporations but I don't think it's a stretch to say that we should be more skeptical
0: Well and <clears throat> here here's here's the here's my question then like what's what's where's the where's the balance? Because um I agree, like it's getting it gets out of hand for sure. And man, there's an element of this too where we whether Americans, Christians, humans are part of the problem, right? Like the 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 consumerism and and the need for stuff yeah. drives this um as much as anything. But <clears throat> So there's a pretty interesting podcast series I listened to when I was taking economics. It's called Business Wars, and it talks about various businesses and, and how they started out. But but it, 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 it focuses on ones that have been in competition with one another. So the first one I listened to was Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah. And both of those companies have very interesting origin stories, and they were very much mom-and-pop mm-hmm. joints when they started out. And, I mean... The quality, I'm sure, was higher Mm -hmm. then, you know?
1: And Dunkin' Donuts, if I I understand correctly, can't get their donuts in right now.
0: Probably. It's probably something silly like that, yeah, because they aren't making them themselves or whatever. Well, they they can't get... It's at a central bakery and it's got to be shipped. Well, uh, yeah, apparently, like, like, uh, yeah, their stores can't
1: get get donuts, at least in
0: some places. Right, because they don't make them in the store. They're trucked in from a central... Yeah. And so there's definitely elements where the corporatism is again out of hand it's frustrating you lose the um you know the authenticity of it right mm-hmm. but also you know here's the thing if you're getting everything from artisans um there's the potential for it to be more expensive you know sure and yeah. so there's also so i mean again again look at walmart and man some of this which again like caution myself i, I i'm cautious to reference this on here, but there's that South Park episode where they talk about Walmart. It's basically talking about Walmart, but they call it something else. Yeah. And it's this it's like this mom and pop store that grows and puts Walmart out of business, but then it becomes the new Walmart. You yeah. know? And so it's that same same principle where I mean look at Walmart and the history of that store, Sam Walton, right? It's the Waltons. Yes. Right? Walmart, Walgreens, Sands Club. And Oh,
1: Walgreens too? yeah huh i didn't know that
0: right and so like a lot of times when people think about the big corporations that are driving mom and pop business places out of business like walmart is what you reference right because they've done things where they will have uh people in china fabricate the things that look like it'll be region specific right like there's things you can get in the walmart in arizona that you can't get in the walmart in michigan and they'll buy they will you know, sell regional specific things that look like the things you used to only be able to get a mom and pop store. And, and like, I get the argument. That's, that's unfortunate. And we can say things like, well then just don't shop at Walmart. But like, is that realistic? Like, I understand all these arguments. I guess my point is this though is, but also uh, places like that have made uh, low cost goods available to the masses, which improves the standard of living for a lot of people. And ultimately when it comes to a lot of these things that people are concerned with, like, um I don't know. Climate change is the one that comes to mind. Like it's been proven that the way to to reduce emissions is to improve people's socioeconomic status, right? So all that to say, where's the balance? Because the corporations are certainly getting out of hand, but also um you know, I like being able to get affordable groceries.
1: Right, of course they're becoming increasingly unaffordable. Right. I would say because of the priorities of the giants that are in the earth right now.
0: One giant in particular.
1: Well, yeah, a conglomeration of giants. Mm. Yeah. So again, like I, I don't know where that line is. Yeah. So what I'm suggesting, application wise, is that number one, read the scriptures yeah. and, and try to see the the themes that or the like, the threads of thought that run through mm-hmm. Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, because I think that we can we can arrive at uh, more specific and actionable application when we're reading it more effectively. Mm-hmm. Number one, number two. So I'm not calling for a mass boycott, but I again I think it's reasonable to to suggest that we should be more skeptical. Yeah, I, I don't mean skeptical of each other. I don't mean skeptical of our families or our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean skeptical of those legal bodies that are not made by God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we should be skeptical of the thing uh, of the <clears throat> possessions that we think that we need. Yeah. I think that we should we should discern between needs and wants. Yeah. Um, I think that we should. Um, figure out ways of, of being more uh, like uh, of being less dependent on these legal persons that God did not create. Yeah. Like, I think it's good to be dependent on family, church, family, neighbors, or like interdependent, Mm -hmm. like people think like it's, it's good to have like dependent or code in interdependent relationships among the things that God has made. Yeah. So, Human, human beings, animals, uh, nature, mm-hmm. which I, I don't mean that like you shouldn't go to the store. <laughs> yeah, like that, 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 not, not, that's not at all what I mean. But I think that we should question the pattern of the world, yeah, as we see it unfolding, yeah, and I think that that's got to produce some holy skepticism.
0: Well, you know and maybe this kind of goes more to the point I was trying to make where if if you look at this, uh, supply chain, the supply chain interruptions that we're experiencing right now, right. You know, boats piling up in harbors, not enough truckers to take things where they, where they need to go. And you hear people say things in the news like, and you know, this is really going to affect your ability to get Christmas presents for your kids. And I kind of hear that. And I'm going like, so here we have this issue with this one giant, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, where, um, at least at this point, like like it, it's frustrating that that stuff is happening. Maybe if nothing else, in principle alone, and and then what really but what really concerns me is that like this could have real real deleterious effects in our ability to get food, let's say, yeah, right. Um, but we're talking about Christmas presents it just kind of seems like kind of a silly thing to bring L- lowest
1: up lowest common denominator you know <clears throat> but it it's also playing on people's emotions
0: well it's absolutely what it's doing it's like wait you're saying this might packed my impact my ability to get more stuff that yeah. i probably don't need yeah and i mean like like you know maybe getting too personal i don't i don't i don't uh, you know i won't, i won't say names necessarily but it's like but like like we all well, shoot we all know people though who well, it's a holiday I guess i'll buy I need to buy this person something that they don't need you know, and they yeah. just have houses full of things that they don't even actually use because it's what we do. we buy more stuff, yeah, you know um and so i I mean like I'm always saying there there's there's some balance in there somewhere where this is a problem and so maybe that's that's another thing that we can do where it's like well sorry, this is what I was gonna say before it's it's a contentment issue at multiple levels because we there, there's room for us to be content with less, but also, you know, at what point, you know, does somebody, I wish I could think of their names, but like the, 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 the creator of Starbucks, the founder of Starbucks or a Dunkin donuts, you know, like it, there must've been a point where they could have just been content to have the business be regional or something, something
1: right. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, godliness with contentment is great gain, mm-hmm. and we have very little contentment. And contentment doesn't sell. Yeah, sex though does. Yeah, especially adulterous sex. Right, like that sells. Yeah. So yeah, we need more of that apparently. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, to, to to that end, have you heard of uh, Edward Bernays? Mm-hmm. Okay, I just heard about him recently. He was apparently Sigmund Freud's nephew, and he invented modern marketing. I want to say in the 1920s. Really? Yeah. And he came up with the term propaganda. Yeah. From 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 what I understand. I need to look more into him. But he's the guy who basically came up with the idea that sex sells. Yeah. I, I guess in the modern sense. I guess that, that's always been there to an extent. I mean, you had temple prostitutes after all. Mm-hmm. But man, like, turns out we still have temple prostitutes. Yeah. 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 So, final thoughts
2: hmm
0: I't know some that that what you just said just made me think of something. I don't know if there's a way I can tie it in, but you know, I remember watching a special that talked about commercials, okay, and like how the early it, it was kind of just describing what early commercials were like and how they kind of developed over time and and it's one of those things where maybe this is what I can say. This is what I think is good about stuff like this and pointing this out because there's so many things that we are just part of the, the, like the, the environment we, we come up in, right? Like we don't know a time where there wasn't commercials and having that influence in our lives, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that is, is just yet is that is, but one small example of, the pattern of the world, mm-hmm. you know, and how you've had this this influence in your life from a very young age that's always kind of, you know, it's just, just yet another thing that's been poking at you. And so I guess to to the conversation tonight, this idea of corporations and the influences they have in our lives, like I, and I think it's probably very pronounced in a lot of ways, particularly when we talk about the tech stuff. I mean that's that's the pattern of the world we're talking about. Right. You know. And again if you think about this verse that we're always coming back to, do, do not be do not conform to the pattern of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I mean, you know, the whole idea of being in the world but not of the world like like you said like we're not calling for a boycott because we we you know, we we have to be in the world. That's how that's the that's the mission field and so we have to find a way to you know, have soundness of mind and see through all this and 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 be uh uh what was your word
1: skeptical skeptical
0: thank you be skeptical and and transform these things for good somehow yeah <clears throat> I think that's it I think it's my final thought
1: okay so i think i'll I'll, I'll leave it with this I think that one of the reasons that we don't i don't feel the need to call for a mass boycott is because we know from revelation that there will come a day when whatever serious Christians are left in the earth will be excluded Mm -hmm. from the economy. Yeah. And so if that's going to be the case, we may as well start getting ready for that now. Okay. And conform no longer. you pray us out? All
2: right.
0: Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of study. We ask that you uh, help us to, uh, to take what we we've heard tonight to, to meditate on it and to, find ways to apply it, to share it with others, and to be the light in the world that you called us to be, to help us to be more like Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
1: Amen.